Chapter One of Pee Wee Harris, Fixer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pee Wee Harris, Fixer by Percy Keyes Fitzhugh. Chapter One He Appears. Pee Wee Harris, or rather the left leg of Pee Wee Harris, emerged from an upper side window of his home and was presently followed by the rest of Pee-wee, clad in his scout suit. He crept cautiously along an ornamental shingled projection, till he reached the safety of the porch roof, where he stood pulling up his stocking and critically surveying the shady street below him. The roof of the front porch was approachable by a less venturesome route than that of the ornamental coping. This was via the apartment of Pee-wee's sister, Elsie, and out through one of her prettily curtained front windows. But he had been baffled in his attempt to violate this neutral territory by finding the door to her sanctum locked. He had demanded admittance, and had thereupon heard whispering voices within. A hurried consultation between Elsie and her mother had resulted in a policy fatal to Pee-wee's plans. Not only that, but worse, his honour as a scout had been impugned. Don't let him in. I locked the door on purpose. This from Elsie. I think he just wants to get to the porch roof, Mrs. Harris had said, to the accompaniment of a sewing machine. I don't care. I'm not going to have him going through here. If he sees my costume, every boy in town will know about it, and they've all got sisters. Everybody who's invited to the masquerade will know exactly what I'm going to wear. I might just as well not go in costume. You know how he is. He simply couldn't keep his mouth shut. What on earth does he want to do on the porch roof anyway? If he's not well enough to go to school, I shouldn't think he'd be climbing out on the front porch. I suppose it's something about his radio, Mrs. Harris replied in her usual tone of gentle tolerance. He's going back to school on Monday. Thank goodness for that, was Elsie's comment. "'That shows how much you know about scouts,' the baffled hero had roared. "'It's girls that can't keep secrets. "'If you think anybody would ever find out anything from me about what you're going to wear.' "'Go away from the door, Walter,' Mrs. Harris had pled. "'You know that Elsie is very, very busy, and I am helping her. "'She has only till Wednesday to get her costume ready.' Conscious of his prowess and resource, Pee-wee had not condescended to discuss a matter involving his manly honour. He would discourse upon that theme later, when no barrier intervened. He had returned to his own room, and immediately become involved in a formidable system of rigging, which lay spread out upon the bed and on the adjacent floor. The component parts of this were a rake-handle, two broomsticks lashed together, a couple of pulleys, several large screw-hooks, and endless miles of wire and cord. This sprawling apparatus was Pee-wee's aerial, intended to catch the wandering voices of the night and transmit them to Pee-wee's ear. In the present instance, however, it caught Pee-wee's foot instead. The section of rigging which was spread upon the bed was drawn into the entanglement, and our hero, after a brief and frantic struggle, was broadcasted upon the floor. This was the first dramatic episode connected with Pee-wee's radio. 
It was directly after he had extricated himself from the baffling meshes of his own handiwork that he had emerged from the window of his room, left foot foremost, which conclusively disproves the oft-repeated assertion of Roy Blakely that Pee-wee always went head first. End of chapter 1